Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the first Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast of 2023, recorded on New Year's Day, uh, not least. I'm Connor Southall, joined by Paddy Dabbit. Uh, uh, this podcast obviously comes to you in association with Future Radio. I get the sense that 2022 might be a year that Norwich City are pleased to see the back of, particularly as, as when we delve into it a little bit later, that the record is uh, not particularly great reading and, uh, and we will of course have a, a semi-review of the year um, that has just been later in the pods but Pad I think we, we're probably best to start with that Reading game and um, Norwich City and and where they currently stand obviously since we last recorded the pod a fair bit has happened we obviously did bring you some reaction to Dean Smith sacking last week but this is the first kind of formal podcast that we've sat down and, and spoken about it so we get, we're going to talk about that as well and um, just as, as, as kind of a marker um, at the start of the pod, we are recording this obviously on New Year's Day, as I, as I mentioned. So between the Reading and Watford game, so we'll have a little preview uh, to Watford at the end. But obviously, uh, I'm aware that a fair amount of people may well end up listening to this pod after that game has happened. So we don't want to talk about that one too much and uh, and really update the pod. So that's given you a, a little bit of a structure as to what we're doing. But Pad, let's start with um, with the occasion, New Year's Day. How did how did you spend? New Year's Eve. How did you how did you see in the new year? Because I get the sense that our stories are going to be quite similar. If I'm if I'm being completely honest. Yeah, happy New Year to you, Connor, and to our wonderful listeners. Um, no, it was a very quiet one. Yeah, no. Uh, my 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 uh, my. T- so you've got no excuse because you're considerably younger than me. But my my days of um, you know uh, being in some sort of uh, I don't know nightclub type setting uh, long gone uh, and then scrambling for taxis at exorbitant prices and probably having paid exorbitant amounts to get into venues. That's probably maybe not even a thing now. Maybe maybe you'd be able to update me on what the younger generation do. But uh, no, it was a nice meal with my wife um, at home and uh, and then just watching the fireworks via, uh, via uh, any news outlet you care to watch uh, from, from London. So uh, yeah, but very very swiftly after it's uh, Betty buys, so uh, because obviously you know we're we're ultimate media professionals and we needed a clear head to get up and record this podcast today and uh, and build into uh, as you say um, part two of the the Alan Russell and Steve Weaver show, which is Watford at Car Road. But probably the bigger picture at the minute is where where they go with their head coach search, and the even bigger picture is once that person is in place. What can we look forward to for the second part of this season? Um, because as you rightly say, Connor, 22 was definitely, from a Norwich City perspective, a year to forget. Um, but yeah, no, fa- fairly quiet, fairly muted, a bit like Norwich City's uh, 2022, I'd imagine. So I'm going to throw that one back to you, Connor. What was happening in the Southwell household last night? Yeah, mine was mine was pretty uneventful as well, actually. I um maybe says a bit more about about me than anything else but uh not not really one for for going out and stuff so similar to you, you had the tv on I, i'd actually uh just recorded or just completed a double promotion with my uh chart and athletic team on football manager so we've just uh we've just t- taken them back to the premier league and at, bizarrely was in a title race with ipswich um so there you go so so they've also got back to the premier league so that's how i spent my uh my new year's eve which was Pretty, uh, pretty unglamorous, but uh, there we go. I had to make sure the dog was uh, was out and uh, had uh, done his business before, obviously, all the fireworks went off. So that was that was a bit of a race as well. So, yeah, pr- pretty uneventful. And then I think about quarter past half past midnight, I, I then 
departed for for bed, and that was a that was about as uh, as exciting as it got. So there we go. I, I think we at least we're recording it well. At least there's no sore sore heads on on this podcast at least, and uh, that means that we can at least provide some energy and uh, hopefully not too much energy for those people who are struggling on New Year's Day and have perhaps decided to tune in. But uh, there we go. So so Paddy, I mean it's it, it is an interesting time in the world of Norwich City. It's um, the first day of of 2023, and they begin it without a head coach. Uh, or a permanent head coach, at least. Obviously, Alan Alan Russell primarily, but also Steve Weaver took charge um, against Reading on Friday night. That ended with a one-one draw. What? Just very quickly, we'll reflect on that game because we've 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 kind of done various bits on on the channels about it. But what what's kind of your overall assessment of that? Because I think people, and again, it's it's weighing up expectation with perhaps reality. So I think people arrived at Carrow Road feeling a lot more positive. Certainly, that obviously Dean Smith was no longer in post. Um, I think we saw that energy and that positivity uh, continue when the team news was announced. We we saw more energy in terms of Norwich City performance. I, I'd probably say maybe not. Uh, too much more quality in terms of their play. Um, but again, you have to weigh it up against the reality, which is actually the the temporary interim coaches, whatever you want to call them, had to, had two days really in charge to impart whatever they wanted to impart. So when you weigh those various things up against each other, what's your your reflections from Friday night and, and, and how that result and performance transpired? Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. It did feel like clean air just around the place. Um or bloodletting, whatever phrase you want to sort of settle on, post Dean Smith and his key backroom team, which didn't include Alan Russell, as he was quick to point out to us when we went down to have a chat with Colney on the Thursday morning, um, as in one of his appointees. So you had that sense, I felt, ever since the decision had been made, purely taking the temperature from social media. But, it, I, I, you know, when you got there physically to Car Road on Friday night, um, and then the team news dropped as well, which was, was very positive and backed up Alan Russell's words about, you know, going on the front foot and trying to be aggressive and, you know, notably Eda and, and Sergeant flanking Pookie. Um, and, and of course, that was reflected then, as you rightly said, in terms of the atmosphere, you know, aided by the, the, the chaps with uh, the City Elite drum as well to, to amplify the atmosphere. But I think there was a general uh, buy-in from from all those who were present at Car Road, and it was a marked marked contrast from from the, the rather toxic uh, end to Dean Smith's tenure at Car Road previously against Blackburn. So night and day uh, in terms of the the mood around the place, and in terms of the result uh, and the performance, yeah, I wouldn't disagree that that, that positivity did run through uh, what they were trying to do. But yeah, I mean, you're not going to in two days. It doesn't, matter, it doesn't matter if you're Sir Alex Ferguson and Arsene Wenger combined. You're not going to radically alter what this group have, have not been producing, really, on a consistent basis. And, you know, I don't think anybody would be fooled by that moving forward, um, knowing that there's a lot of work ahead for whoever the new incumbent is. But but in terms of, you know, the result, I thought it was a fair result. I, I didn't think they did enough. Um, the penalty was harsh. Felt it in real time. Felt it afterwards. Alan Russell certainly felt it as well. I think the uh, the uh, sorry the um, Reading player was very cute, um, but ultimately, I don't think Reading um, you could uh, discount that they probably did enough over the piece uh, to probably earn, earn a draw. And, and Arch, as Alan Russell said, to be fair to him after the game, not clinical enough for, for all their kind of passages of good play. But but equally, you know, Reading had spells as well. So you know, it was in terms of nudging the dial from from the toxicity that, that we'd encountered mainly at Blackburn but also you know Luton as well Boxing Day which ultimately did for Dean Smith and his 
two coaches. Um, that was achieved, absolutely. But, you know, the bigger picture, and it was reiterated again in the statement by the club that confirmed Dean Smith's departure, promotion to the Premier League remains the aim. And, and yes, um, although that kick-off, I think they were 10th in a very congested pack, that moved them up uh, two or three places. There's, as we record, there's more fixtures playing out today, New Year's Day. So they'll probably be in a similar sort of part of the table when when the game swings round um, tomorrow night uh, or tomorrow afternoon, sorry, against Watford, and that's the bigger picture. So for all the kudos to to, to what Russell and, and Weaver managed to achieve in one ninety minute game, um, irrespective of how it plays out against Watford, you know, there's a hell of a lot long road ahead to get this this group into the playoffs, let alone extricate them via the playoffs into the Premier League. I think the top two's gone now. Um, but I don't see Burnley or Sheffield United hemorrhaging points uh, that would be required to bring them back to the pack or bring them back to Norwich per, per particularly. So, you know, the ambitions, unfortunately, have, have contracted and now it's about trying to get into the playoffs first and foremost and then trying to, uh, you know, come through, uh, which they did, of course, famously and, and, and pertinently, I think, given the situation they're in now in in the 14-15 season under Alex Neal. You know, this time of year, they made the change, give or take a few weeks. Out went Neil Adams or or moved internally. In came Alex Neal and, and boy, oh boy, um, we know what happened thereafter for that, that glorious six-month charge to Wembley, Middlesbrough, playoff final, uh, comprehensive performance and win at Wembley and, and Premier League, here we come. And, uh, and let's hope Lightning can strike twice, but I think they're in that territory now. It's going to take whoever the new person is, uh, to be a very charismatic figure and almost through a force of personality, I think, get some spark or some fire lit under this group of players because, you know, hitherto, and OK, we saw a little bit more front foot positivity on, on Friday night last, but hitherto um, there's nothing in this group to suggest that they are... Uh, capable at this stage um, of getting themselves in you know, the serious conversation, if you want to put it that way, to, to get back to the Premier League. So, yeah, it, it felt cleaner. It felt healthier. It felt more optimistic. But it's all relative and, and set against the backdrop of, you know, they've put themselves in a very tight spot now. And, um, you know, the margin for error is is pr- pretty much vanished. So whoever does come in, it has to be quick, has to be swift, and it'll have to be the right appointment to galvanise this group in, in the short term to get into the playoffs, first and foremost, because that by no manner of means is guaranteed. Yeah, and I, and I would expect over the next 10 to 12 games or so, actually, that, that that playoff hunt, which is actually at the minute really condensed and really wide open and actually a little bit mad, um, to actually become a little bit more established. So this does feel like a really pivotal part of the season. I mean, Alan Russell said on on Friday that he didn't feel that there's a minute to waste, let alone a game. Um, so you you actually look at that result maybe in, in the wider context and it's now one win in eight at Carrow Road for, for Norwich City. Um, it's obviously another game that they've dropped points in um, after taking the lead. It's, it's not a particularly great record. I mean, part of me would have been intrigued to see what the reaction would have been like to that fixture if Dean Smith was in charge. And obviously you have to wrap the appropriate context around that. Naturally, uh, as, as you said, Pad, then they, as before Watford, um, as I said, we were recording this before then and before uh, several games on New Year's Day. So this may get outdated fairly quickly, but uh, the playoff mix is, is crazy. Only, only a few points separating uh, basically Blackburn in third and Preston 
in 15th. I think that's, uh, yeah, there's, there's about uh, five points or so separating all those three points from, from Sunderland who sit in fourth to Preston in 15th. So that gives you an idea of, of just how condensed it is. But Norwich City go into tomorrow's game as things stand uh, sitting seventh. So that's just outside the playoffs. They obviously welcome Watford to Carrow Road on Monday. Uh, they sit fifth and they, of course, were beaten 4-0 by Swansea on uh, on Friday. So uh, it just sums up what a mad division it is. Just as a as a, as a side note, I mean, not to turn this into an episode of Loose Women, but have, have Norwich ever had a, a better looking temporary head coach than than Alan Russell? I mean, he's he's a former model. He lifted Christina Aguilera at the MTV Awards in 2003. Pad, I'll probably throw that over to you. I don't know if you even want to comment on that, but uh, there's there's some food. Maybe that's one for the listeners to get in touch. I think it's definitely one for the listeners. Yeah, I don't know who the runners and riders are. Would that be including Gunny and Neil Adams? Maybe you can debate. <laughs> Mike Phelan. There you go. There's there's a dark horse for you. Yeah, no, yeah. No, uh, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll push that one in the direction of our uh, loyal re- loyal readership listenership. Um, yeah, yeah. You're very happy that you unearthed that one. I, I, I'm pretty sure, given you took to took to social media and advised anybody who cared to put in Alan Russell, Christina Aguilera. Uh, yeah. One of the more random Google searches you'll probably find, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. Also, also like the way that he went because he arrived. We had some photos of him arriving at the stadium, and, and he was in sort of shirt and cardigan, looking very well dressed. He then came out for the warm ups in his tracksuit. Then he changed back by the time kickoff arrived, which uh, gave an air of Alex Neal at Wembley, didn't it? When he came out in the suit and then went back in, uh, went back to the tracksuit, kind of the reverse of that. A little bit of a quiz pad. So this this may be. Uh, on the theme of, of temporary interim caretaker managers, whatever you, you want to go for. Um, can you can you name everyone that Norwich City has had since 2000? Uh, I'll give you a clue. There is, in, obviously, Alan Russell is one. One, two, three, four, five. So six others. How many of those do you think you can name? Well, obviously, I'm, I'm, in, I'm including ones who have overseen a game. So, for example, Mike Phelan won't count. He doesn't count. No, no. He, he might dispute that if you go back to that Bournemouth game when Alex Neil powered himself down. He, from he, he had half a game, so and he had a face like thunder on him, yeah, yeah as he sat yeah. squirming at the back of the dugout. Uh, well, Adams clearly, yeah, he took it towards the end of that Premier League season. Gunny before he stepped up again, didn't he? Uh, no, I'd, I'd have to go away and get my pen and paper out. Um, you're missing one more recent. Uh, Martin Hunter didn't he take it on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One more yeah, recent, yeah. one more recent. Not we, not Weaver. Weaver didn't take charge of a game, did he? When it was no. Farkers, more recent than. Think after Alex Neil. <coughs> Alex Neil. So before, oh Alan but, Irvin, yeah, Alan yeah, Irvin, yeah. yeah. So you've got you've got two more, I believe. To be to be fair, I'd be quite impressed if you got if you got these. I said Martin Hunter, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He was one that I was probably expecting you not to get, actually. But there's, there's two more, so. Oh, uh, um, not, um, not, uh, not Frankie McAvoy, but there was another Scott. I can't think of his name yeah. now. I can picture yeah. him. Uh, you'll have to help me. But I'll, I'll, there's a. So, there's, so yeah. the two, the two you didn't get, Jim Duffy, who I That's think is the one you were thinking of, and then Ian Butterworth had two games as well, obviously between Brian Gunn and, uh, and Paul Lambert. So a follow-up yeah. question to that which is maybe pertinent to, to what we're going to go on to talk about in a minute. How many of those have or, or did win or have won their uh, their first game in caretaker charge of the club? I remember Gunny, didn't they? Didn't they beat Barnsley, was it? Or yeah. Burnley? Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. Um, don't think Neil Adams did off the top of my head. 
I might be wrong, but I don't think because he had a he had a pretty horrendous end to that Premier League season post Hewton, didn't he? So, yeah. Um, but oh, if I couldn't tell you, neither could I with Jim Duffy. I'm going to say Alan Irvin did. That's a guess. No, but Gunny is the only one out of, out of those out of those seven yeah. who, uh, including now, obviously Alan Russell, who who won their first game in temporary yeah, charge, yeah. and actually. If you look at it, draws have been a regular result for Norwich City caretakers. So Martin Hunter that, that you referenced, um, I think he was between Nigel Worthington and Peter Grant, wasn't he? So, so he his was a free-free draw against QPR. Jim Duffy lost his uh, 3-1 against Bristol City. Uh, Brian Gunn obviously beat Barnsley 4-0, quite famous that game. Ian Butterworth had a 1-1 draw at Exeter. Neil Adams, as you referenced, had a 1-0 defeat at Fulham. They should have won that day. I was in the away end. That still, still irks me. Uh, there was a 2-2 draw for Alan Irvin against Blackburn. And then obviously Alan Russell has overseen a 1-1 draw against Reading. And I have to say, actually, if you're looking for an omen, the second game uh, of, of caretaker spells aren't much better. So Alan Irvin uh, won his 2-0 against Barnsley. Neil Adams lost 3-2 against Liverpool. Ian Butterworth lost 2-1 at Brentford. I think Paul Lambert had already been named yeah. as Norwich City's manager at that point. Uh, Brian Gunn, although I th- I've got a feeling he may have been permanent manager at this point, but he drew 2-2 with uh, with Southampton and then Jim Duffy lost 2-1 against Burnley. So, I mean, it's not a great record. So when we talk about kind of instant impacts and uplifts from caretaker bosses, there, there aren't too many. So Alan Russell will be hoping uh, he can he can continue the trend, which uh, obviously the maximum he can get now is four points, which is what, what Gunny and, uh, and Alan Irvin achieved in their two games. So there you go. There's a, there's a bit of Norwich City trivia for you. That that probably leads us nicely onto where Norwich City currently are in terms of their search for, for head coach. As I said, we're recording this on New Year's Day. Um, the latest reports are that Norwich City are plotting talks with, uh, with former Huddersfield town boss David Wagner. Um, he, of course, worked with Stuart Webber at Huddersfield. He was appointed by Stuart Webber at Huddersfield Town in 2015. Uh, some bookmakers have, have taken their markets down, such as the confidence now of this. Uh, the Sun, uh, with those latest reports about scheduled talks uh, as well. I mean, for, from what we've gathered, Pat, I think from the start, it, it was obviously going to be very difficult to get a manager in work because of their financial situation. So it did look likely that it was going to be unemployed. And it did feel like there was a preference for a foreign coach. Chuck in what you said there earlier about the statement and the desire for Premier League football again. You're probably hoping for for a coach with a, a promotion on his CV. Well, David Wagner uh, got Huddersfield into the Premier League through the playoffs. He did that with a negative goal difference, by the way. Um, and someone maybe who isn't is is a little bit far removed from Daniel Farker in terms of style of play. Is someone who likes to press. Someone who maybe has a lot of focus on on the physical elements. If you if you want maybe a, a visualization of of what he tries to do have a little watch of, of Jurgen Klopp and, and, and his Liverpool team and, and how they like to play very much in kind of a gegenpressing mould than, than perhaps Daniel Farker was. But again, maybe represents a step or, or a step away from, from him. And certainly Smith had an emphasis on pressing, although I don't think we ever really saw that to full, to full, uh, to full effect. Obviously, uh, no, no deal done at this stage. and we, we have no off insight to offer at this stage either. But it, it does feel like David Wagner is, uh, if not leading the race, then certainly in the conversation pad. What, what are your reflections on that on, uh, and your feelings on that as well? Because I think some people will be will be quite split on it. There will be there will be some who maybe feel it's quite a lazy appointment given his links to Stuart Webber, and there will be some who look at his championship record with real excitement. Obviously, as managed Schalke and young boys um, since then, I think Schalke was a little bit of a basket case by all accounts and was a little bit of a Dean Smith at Norwich City situation. I'm not sure any coach would have kept them up in, in, in the guys they were in. Young boys was a little bit more of a disappointment for him. How do you feel about the name David Wagner in, in relation to, to Norwich City's vacant head coach role? 
Well, I mean, you've mapped it out quite well. I think that there is, there is, you know, clearly the almost two camps emerging about the potential of him to take over. And I think he, he clearly is a live candidate, absolutely, um, for reasons already stated, you know, and also added to that, the fact he's out of work and there isn't a financial element that, that needs to be stressed as well. And the speed that something of that nature could be done as well. You know, the, the to reiterate where we're at at the minute is midway through a two-game window that Alan Russell confirmed was was the brief from Stuart Webber when they got rid of Dean Smith, that these two games then take you to basically the thick end of a week's run into Blackburn this coming weekend in the FA Cup and then another week to Preston. So if Alan Russell is, is banking on only getting two league games, then that would indicate that very soon before or, or just after the Blackburn game in the FA Cup that uh, the new person will be in charge and as a result, if there's no compensationary hurdles to clear, there's no permission needed to be sought from a current club, um, you know, the path is a lot easier uh, to get to that point and, and fit in with that timescale, which is, seems to be where Stuart Webb is going. So that's before you overlay, of course, the, you know, the, 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 the deep relationship he's got with David Wagner. I've seen it firsthand. I remember, um, can't think which summer it was, but Norwich played Schalke, played Wagner Schalke in pre-season. Um, and we was out there covering it, and and you could see the personal chemistry uh, on the pitch before the game between Wagner and Weber and Farker. You know, was almost hanging back. It was those two very much. Um, you know, uh, the warmth of their their relationship was was clear to see, even observing from a distance. So, uh, I'm I'm sure that that has continued. Um, in fact, I know it's continued. And uh, you know, the report today ahead of this record is that you know they're plotting talks so i'll be very surprised if there hasn't even in an informal um friendship based way been channels of communication either before or after smith's official departure such is the nature of it so you know time will tell if if i mean also you know what isn't being discussed is does wagner want to come back into you know at this stage you know english football and, and the challenge of of getting Norwich uh, going again. You know, he he may... It's interesting, you know, you talk about post-Huddersfield, he had that period at Schalke, and then he had the period in Switzerland at Young Boys. Um, and the timing looks right to me because at Schalke, I think, I'm just going to call it back up again, but um, he essentially, you know, had uh, a year between... between being dismissed by Schalke and, and taking over in Switzerland. He was dismissed in September of 2020 and the following summer he takes over at Young Boys and um, you know, as you say, Schalke, I think there was a hell of a lot of uh, uh, issues in and around that football club that expand way beyond what he was trying to do in terms of get that team going. Um, you know, you could argue maybe some parallels with the situation Dean Smith did inherit. So I think he needs to have some slack there. He and then in Switzerland, it would appear that anything less than a, a league title win there was was not going to be good enough. They'd, they'd won three previously, uh, the three previous editions of the Swiss top division. He wasn't able to land the fourth one, and he was dismissed in March uh, of this. I'm oh, sorry, of last year now, as we've moved into 2023. So I'm just thinking in terms of time out of the game, very similar from Germany to Switzerland, and potentially Switzerland coming back in, um, be it Norwich or anywhere else. So. You know, that tells me maybe from his point of view, he feels he wants to get back in. Uh, and then it's, of course, then about opportunities. And, you know, 
must be quite attractive if it's a guy who you've worked closely with before and had success before and had this type of success, engineering a, a championship promotion winning playoff surge and getting into the Premier League. So, you know, there's a lot of factors why this would seem to make sense and why, why it would add up. And, you know, then it, if it is David Wagner, it's, you know, as you said there, there will be those who think, well, you know, it's showing maybe a lack of thinking outside the box to go back to what you already know. But then if what you already know was successful in this environment, um, why wouldn't you try it again? And uh, particularly if, if, if the other runners and riders, it's a very slim field for all those reasons stated, the financial reasons, the contractual reasons, compensatory reasons. Um, you know, go back to that statement. When Dean Smith was sacked, the club said they'd embark on a search and promotion to the Premier League remains the aim. Well, again, Alan Russell is right. They don't have a minute to spare, let alone a game, let alone a block of games, let alone a month or two. You know, it has to happen pretty instantaneously. Um, and so if that is the case, you're trying to lessen the variables. And what they can't afford is to bring in somebody who has no real knowledge of English football, the championship particularly, and needs time to acclimatise. They don't have time. So, you know, we'll wait. We'll wait. Obviously, there's there's, an, there's a process to go through, but it does at this stage seem two point to to Wagner, and and if so, um, you know, it'd be very interesting how part two of the, the Weber uh, Wagner dynamic uh, works. Um, it's worked before. You know, Weber wasn't there to see it through to the finish. He'd already moved on to Norwich by that stage, but no doubt he was one of the key architects, and it was him who went to Germany and got Wagner to Huddersfield. Um, and obviously repeated that with huge success up until the last 12 months with, with Daniel Farker. Same Borussia Dortmund 2 coach, same background. Different coaches in terms of style of play. It's worth reiterating that. As you said, he's more of the, the Klopp heavy metal, high-pressing uh, type of coach. And I've seen one or two quote uh, comments already from fans on social media about good luck with this, this current group of Norwich players to get them playing a high-press, high-intensity type of football. But... You know, Alan Russell was trying to do something similar at the, uh, just before the weekend. So, yeah, I think ultimately at this stage, as we record, it looks like Wagner. And uh, and if it is Wagner, then, you know, I, I, I'm not certainly in the camp where I look at this narrative that he's failed in Switzerland and he's failed in Germany. Why would you want him? I, I tend to look at the context of those two postings. He didn't really fail in Switzerland. He, he just didn't, you know, maintain uh, what they've done, which is domestically uh, dominating Swiss football. He did actually get them into the Champions League qualifying stages where they beat Manchester United in the group stages as well. So you know, I'm sure he, he would counter that his record isn't two failures off the back of what happened at Huddersfield. And Huddersfield, you know, it's worth reiterating, he did keep them up that first season against the odds, massively against the odds. But he did keep them up. And then the second time round, from a distance, he left towards the end of that season. And it felt like, you know, his quotes and everything he said and his, his demeanour that maybe he was burnt out with it all because much like his style of football, I look at him and I think he's that all-in type of coach and, and it's very intense. And, you know, maybe you can work at that fifth gear for a period of time, but by the end at Huddersfield, it did look like he was a little bit burnt out with it all. So, you know, I look at his record and I think the David Wagner and the Huddersfield that came to Car Road in that 16-17 season and did for Alex Neal, Yes, please. I'd have that style of football here all day long because um, they were very good. They were very good on the eye and they were very aggressive and they were in your face. And I'm sure Norwich fans would love to see that style of football. 
whether ultimately from this position it would be good enough to navigate themselves back to the Premier League at the first time of asking. We don't know. We don't know. But uh, it, I think it's certainly an intriguing link and um, and an easy link. And, you know, time will tell. Um, but ultimately, I think you, you'd be probably at this stage wise not to look beyond Wagner. But as I say, until it's confirmed, until it's a done deal and, uh, and you know, the way these things are moving now, uh, it probably won't be too much longer before we do get that confirmation. Zoe Weber in a match day column for, for Reading indicated that, you know, it would be a fairly swift process. Uh, and it has to be because ultimately, you know, they, OK, it'll be Russell and it'll be Weaver for, for Watford on Monday afternoon. Um, but by the time they go to Preston, it'll be a new man and um, and the, the the earlier they do it the more chance particularly if there's a there's a, an experimental FA Cup game as well throw in the mix for that new person to to start the process of you know galvanizing a group of players who we still all I think believe are better than what they've shown thus far and are good enough to be in the conversation whether they are now able to galvanize themselves to the point where they can you know repeat what they did in terms of getting promoted the last two times at this level, I think the title clearly is not going to happen, but to get themselves promoted again, then time will tell. They've certainly made things very difficult for them, but, um, you know, let's use the club's own measure. Even post-Dean Smith, Premier League remains the objective. So, um, you know, if if David Wagner, then he knows what the brief is. Yeah, another point I would would make on that is, uh, as you said, time is is, is pressing, um, really pressing. And, Stuart Webber will will likely, as you said, want to make an appointment who, A, understands English football, understands the championship, isn't coming into it completely blind, has achieved promotion before. But equally, there's that dynamic, isn't there, as well? The element of working with a new sporting director, uh, that how that relationship works, how it um, how it works day to day, but but also long term. Well, that isn't something that would need a betting in period. Those two know each other extremely well. They, they would almost be picking up where they left off, wouldn't they? It wouldn't be kind of, oh, well, you know, we need three months where we, we kind of know how each other work and know how the dynamic of it works. Um, it would be pretty immediate that, that David Wagner would come in, know what Stuart Webber would want, know what Norwich City would want and would be able to implement it. And, and what I would say, actually, is his Huddersfield team uh, in the year that they did get promoted, I felt was, was one of the most tactically interesting teams in the division with players who, I think, by common consensus, he managed to ensure that they punched above their weight. Um, both in the Championship, but also then to remain in the Premier League. It was a massive job that he did at Huddersfield. But they were probably in, certainly from an external perspective, maybe a worse position than Norwich City were in and and managed to get promoted. He obviously had a period of time as well before that season where I think they they finished something like 15th or 16th. So, um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting one to to watch develop. I, I, I would imagine now it feels at least... Like all roads point to uh, to David Wagner, of course. I, I think uh, the, the, there's been a couple of reports as well suggesting Chris Wilder and Hamburg coach um, Tim Volta as, as suggestions. I think, I mean, we've we've spoken about Tim Volta before privately, Pad. I think that that one looks and feels quite difficult because of where he is with Hamburg. Um, I haven't even explored it in terms of work permit route, but I would imagine if 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 those reports are accurate and the city considering him, then he then he would be okay. There is a contractual situation with him lingering in the background Hamburg don't play until the 29th of January um in their in their next game but that, that feels quite difficult Chris Wilder again someone who, who has experience with the division 
but it has to be said, didn't have a particularly enjoyable spell at Middlesbrough, although I think he was kind of fluttering his eyelashes at Bournemouth for, for the majority of that. That was obviously under Kieran Scott as well, um, who formerly of, of Norwich City. And there have been kind of reports since that maybe the um, the idea of him working under a sporting director has been a little bit difficult as well. So we will see. And in terms of Schalke, actually, I mean, we're, we're probably not best placed to really comment on that. So I'm, I'm going to read a tweet that uh, Dan O'Hagan put out on um, on what day? What day is it today? Sunday? Is it Sunday? It is Sunday. Sunday morning. Uh, he, he spoke about um, David Wagner's uh, potential appointment or, or interest from Norwich City in David Wagner uh, and he said this certainly would appear to be a possibility given the Weber connection harsh to judge Wagner on his time at Schalke uh, I'll, I'll, this is this is a, an interesting line all the Viagra in the world wouldn't have kept that team up his body at work at Huddersfield stands stands up does feel like chasing a Farker Mark II a little bit so there is uh, Dan O'Hagan's thoughts on his time in Germany. Um, I don't think Schalke have done that well since he he left the, the football club, by all accounts, difficult club to manage. Young boys, again, maybe felt a little bit more disappointing considering they were the, the reigning champions um, of Switzerland at that point. I think they finished 15 points behind FC Zurich, who went on to win the title in the season that he was there. But they did have a, a really good win against Manchester United in the group stages of the Champions League that you may remember. So um, that's going to be an interesting one. I mean, I mean Paddy, again, it, Let's let's follow the David Wagner Fred for a minute. Um, obviously, uh, another report again for, uh, this morning from the Athletic about maybe a four-person shortlist and David Wagner being part of that. So again, David Wagner's name being mentioned. Uh, I've mentioned maybe two others who who could potentially be part of that four-person shortlist if 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 that turns out to be accurate. This is rightly or wrongly. Let's let's um, let's be hypothetical. Let's say David Wagner ends up as the next head coach of Norwich City Football Club. There are going to be a lot of people who look at Stuart Webber and say, well, and maybe this is quite a lazy argument. I'm sure he would argue that it is, but but it is an argument that I have seen made nonetheless. I'm just repeating it. It's not my opinion. Um, but there, there will be some people who look at him and say, well, you've just gone back to one of the two managers who have proven successful for you before. There may be people inside the game who look at that and saying, well, his contact book is is a little bit limited or, you know, his... Um, his methods might be even a little bit limited if it's only certain coaches that can work within those constraints. So for him, I guess if if we do end up at a press conference where it is that in the next few days, as I imagine it will be um, next week to, to few days as it will be. And, and it's David Wagner being unveiled as Norwich City's head coach, how he markets that and how Norwich City market that are going to be really interesting, but also probably really necessary for this appointment as well to get people on side. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, not that we're going to give him any PR advice, but you, you would surely be pushing the... We're, we're not uh, paid enough for that. There's, there's no, people no, who... No. Yeah, I don't think they yeah. take our advice, to be honest, Connor, but that's another podcast. But uh, you, you surely push the uh, the element of, with the with, with the constraints in terms of time and, and where they are in the table now, they need certainties. And here's a guy who got a club promoted. I'm a guy, if it's Stuart Webber who, who's, who's putting this out there, I'm a guy who employed him we worked together closely we brought success from a similar kind of um position in terms of nobody really gave Huddersfield a chance that season to come through the pack as they did and Norwich gonna have to do something similar um obviously you know different wildly different expectations at the start of those respective seasons but in the here and now uh the challenge is not that dissimilar um so surely you, you would you would sell the merits of in, in a climate where um, you need certainty rather than potential or, or, or you know, 
a, a sense that you know things could come together. No, things have come together with that duo before uh, in the championship to to engineer a, a playoff success. And uh, with the added caveat, and I think you'd put that on the table as well to convince any doubters, um, a head coach who kept a team who clearly were, were were long odds to go down, straight back down, as Norwich have the last two times they've tried it. No, he kept them in the division. Um, so why wouldn't you amplify and accentuate those positives? Yes, of course, as I said at the outset, they'll probably, if it is to be Wagner, there will be those two opposing camps and, and in, in, in the other camp will be the, well, it smacks of a, a lack of imagination and a lack of ambition going back to something that worked before doesn't necessarily mean or bring any guarantees it works again. Football moves on very swiftly. You know, you could package it as he's he's not really uh, worked at his next two career postings, whatever the circumstances around both of those clubs, um, and he's out of work. Um, so, you know, how desirable should he be as a, as a managerial commodity? But, you know, maybe the truth lies somewhere between those two polar opposites and and ultimately, uh, as always, Stuart Webber won't have the benefit of hindsight. He's trying to do this front-ended and, and hope it pays off. It paid off with Farker, let's be honest, to give him his due. Didn't pay off with Smith. So, you know, he's one-on-one. On one. So let's hope uh, his next managerial appointment uh, it has the, the Farker impact, certainly at this level, as opposed to the Dean Smith impact. But, you know, w- without opening up the, the whole sort of mood of, of where the club feels like it's sat at the minute and has been for the last 12 months. Um, and that almost, you know, sense that it needs to come back together, all the disparate elements inside and outside the football club and that something hasn't been working. The, the relationship is fractured. The various different relationships that make up a football club haven't been everybody pulling in the right direction. Um, you know, that's, that's probably going to be, you know, colour a lot of how this appointment is viewed, you know, because it it isn't an appointment in isolation. It's an appointment to try and fix something that is broken down and um, and not just purely in terms of on the pitch and and what the head coach is trying to do in the dugout with this group of players. So, you know, there's bigger issues than who the, who the identity of the new head coach is clearly. And and they, they won't be repaired by whether it's David Wagner or whoever, but, uh, but, you know, if you can try and detach yourself from that, fundamentally, you're bringing in a guy who has course and distance um, form at this level uh, and has been a success at this level. And, and right now, that's what Norwich need. They need somebody uh, to get this group of players into a fighting shape that they they can come through the championship minefield if it is to be the playoffs and emerge victorious. This guy has, has form for doing that. So, you know... It, I don't. In that sense, it's not really a gamble. Whether he can replicate it, that's the element we will we'll find out, obviously in due course. But then, whoever walked through the door, whether it was Wagner or whoever, the same types of questions would be asked about because there's no guarantees. Ultimately, there's no guarantees. You know, I look at Corbyn now getting West Brom going. I think they'll be there or thereabouts. So I look at what Michael Carrick is doing at Middlesbrough, and you know, it could be Wagner, and Wagner could have a positive impact but it still might not be enough because there's other clubs who are a bit further down their development cycles uh, and Norwich aren't able to make the ground up. So, so be it. But but that won't necessarily mean a Wagner appointment is a failed appointment. It, it just might mean the deck, is, the deck is too far stacked against if it is Wagner. So, um, 
But, you know, ultimately, I, I think most reasonable Norwich fans would give him a chance and say, yeah, we'll row in behind now, even if they have a few reservations for, for reasons you, you mapped out there. Um, but ultimately, you know, if people don't come back together, then uh, they've got absolutely zero chance of uh, pulling off another championship promotion success. Agreed, agreed, and it's 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 going to be really really interesting. I'm old enough to remember when a lot of Norwich fans were, were crying for David Wagner when when Stuart Webber first came in. You don't become a bad coach overnight. You don't become a good coach overnight. So um, maybe maybe an argument that he hasn't perhaps picked his jobs in in the best way since since leaving Huddersfield Town. As you said, I think he he would come in with a point to prove. I think there there are pros and cons. Um, as to his potential appointment. I'm sure if this ramps up in maybe the way that we're expecting in the next few days, we will be having a lot of those discussions uh, across our channels. So uh, we shall see. Of course, you can uh, you can get in touch with us and let us know your thoughts uh, on the uh, potential appointment of David Wagner uh, via social media, via email, all of that good stuff. Um, we, we we always like to hear your, your thoughts and opinions. Um, let's move on then, Pad, and, and let's talk about the year that's been, 2022. I think it's one that... Most people will be quite grateful to see the back of and almost stick two fingers up that that it's gone. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to read you the numbers of the year, really, which uh, I'm afraid don't make for for good reading. So if you're of a, a nervous disposition, maybe the, the best time now to, to just stick your fingers in your ears for the next minute or so. So this is uh, Norwich City's league record in 2022, 44 games played. They won 13 of those. I've got to be honest, that's 10 more than I can remember off the top of my head. Um, they've drawn nine. They've lost 22. They picked up 48 points. Uh, points per game uh, rate of 1.09 is the second lowest since 2003. The lowest is in 2013 when they achieved 1.03. Uh, for context, a lot of those came in the Premier League, uh, as did, I, I suppose, uh, this time around. Goals for 47, goals against 70. Obviously, uh, 43 of those games were under the stewardship of Dean Smith, one under Alan Russell, assisted by Steve Weaver. I mean, it's it's not great, is it, Pad? It's, it's a, a year of very, very, very few highlights for Norwich City supporters. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and I, I saw last night, New Year's Eve, um, and I'm not going to doubt the, the statistical effort that went into it, but somebody compiled a 22-2022 league table for all 92 league clubs and ranked them based on, you know, you're essentially spanning two seasons there. If you've not seen it, Connor, where do you think Norwich ranked out of those 92 clubs? <sighs> so essential, essentially their points all over the second half of the Premier League right, uh, and, the, and the first part of the Championship, i.e. Dean Smith's tenure. It, well, it can't. A- it can't be that high. Seventy-two. Oh, have, have I gone too high there? No. Well, you were in the book very close. Seventy-fifth. That and ninety-two. Oh, I'll take that. I'll take that. I know, but if you're Dean Smith, you wouldn't take it. Or a no, 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 no. So, so out of ninety-two clubs over the calendar year, Norwich performed only better than what's that? My maths. Fifteen, eighteen. You set yourself up there. There, you had to. Yeah, you had to yeah, see yeah. it out. So seventeen clubs. Uh, only only out of the 92 and, and to rub salt in uh, Ipswich were 10th I think on that table which shows you the impact McKenna's had there and I know it's all relative Premier League League 1 da 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 I Stockport were up there quite high I think they had a did they come through from the National League I, I can't quite remember but anyway it, I think it does give you a sense though uh, of, of a club who were firmly in reverse gear and um, and as a result a, a, a truly forgettable uh 12 months in Norwich's timeline and 
that's why you know we're we're all hoping that new year, new head coach appointment, and and something that is far more optimistic and positive. And, and you know whether that come May is good enough to be back in the Premier League, time will tell. It feels a long way off, but for me, if if there was enough evidence that they've fallen short, but you can see now under a and other um, that this this club is moving forward again on the pitch and off it, and that there's a bit more optimism about what comes the other side uh, for, for next season in the championship. Of course, the, the massive overhanging issue there is the finances and, and what another season of championship football does for, you know, the, 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 the balancing of the books. It wouldn't be a good scenario. You'd have all those, sadly, contractual issues with players who are out of contract next summer to pick your way through. And, and no doubt, quite a few of those would move on as well if it was another season in the championship. So I'm not, I'm not saying it would be our cup would runneth over with optimism, but but at least, you know, if they finished in a forward motion. And, you know, my mind does go back to, you know, the 15, 14, 15, sorry, the 16, 17 season, which Huddersfield under Wagner emerged. And obviously Norwich went in a, a very bold direction at the end of that season with Weber and then ultimately Farker. But on the pitch, actually, Alan Irvin did, did go very close to just squeezing in the playoffs and, and they played some very good football at that, period post Alex Neil. I think he went round about the March of that season. Um but they you know they did ultimately fall short but but it was some good football and, and there was a bit of positivity around the place which was then obviously added to by by the Weber Farker new era new beginnings kind of feel around the place. So you know I think if we're talking about 22 park it forget about it. It was horrendous um very very few enjoyable moments games um Horrible, in fact, in many respects. Uh, a real growing chasm between the football club and, and the people who follow it. And, and we won't go into debates about what constitutes a disconnect and what doesn't. We all know uh, that, it, that there's been elements of fans and club who've been growing apart. That's not healthy. I guess the only positive, maybe, as it pops into my head, is, is you know the appearance of a potential white knight uh, in shining armor in Mark Atanasio, um, if that relationship flourishes into potentially one day, you know, taking on the reins from the club's current majority shareholders, so that you know maybe that would be a, a, a positive legacy from twenty two, but on the pitch um, and off it, uh, not good, not good by a long stretch, and uh, and and. Not a, not a twelve months. I don't think we 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 wish to sort of relive again for, through the through the prism of Norwich City support. That's for sure. Yeah, you, you mentioned Alan Irvin's record there. I mean, just reflecting on it, actually, a, a lot of clubs probably would have handed him the permanent job off the back of this. Ten games, five wins, two draws, three defeats. I mean, it's not bad. Um, but but you're right. It, it is going to take a seismic impact. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and unpick the year that's been particularly because I don't think that that will be enjoyable for us or for people to listen to. So. We'll try and distill it down into into a few things. Um, you, you said there were very few enjoyable moments. I'm probably going to ask you to pick one now. I mean, for me personally, it was it was that three 0 win at Watford um, because that was the night, if there was any at all, where it felt like maybe potentially that that Dean Smith could have kept Norwich City in the Premier League. Obviously, from there it it, it imploded pretty dramatically, but it, but it felt it there was at least some hope and there wasn't too much of that in, in 2022. Um, so, so for you, Pad, I mean, most enjoyable game that there's not many to choose from, to be honest. 
No, I mean, my mind was thinking before you said Watford, the Everton game, which preceded it, I think, which was Adam Eder's first Premier League goal. Um, I know that was the it was at the end of era for Rafa Benitez, so so there was a bit of you know, kind of looking through the mirror now, at maybe maybe what Norwich had to experience certainly towards the end of last season. But you know, that was a fan base who wasn't having that manager, but Norwich profited, and um, but it was a vibrancy and there was an energy and there was a a thrust. So how Norwich played that day, fully deserved the win. And then you hoped, well, this could be obviously then embellished further by what happened to Vicarage Road a few days later. So maybe if I put those two together, that was the period really when optimism was was rife um, under Dean Smith that he could galvanise an effort out of this group. But, you know, subsequent events proved that wasn't to be the case and they exited uh, every bit as limply as they did under Farker the previous time in the Premier League. So... And then the championship, well, you know, there's been one or two good... A lot of, I've enjoyed the backs-to-the-wall efforts at Blackpool. That was a good... Mainly because we were in... It felt like we were actually in, sconced with the away support, given the proximity of the media sort of set up at Bloomfield Road and felt like we were living it as a fan that day. And, uh, you know, that kind of 1-0 away win, uh, you're putting your bodies on your line, the, the wind and the rain howling in off the, the North Sea. Uh, there was something quite uplifting about that whole experience. So I quite enjoyed that day out in the championship, but uh, overall, no, it's been been a slog and a grind culminating, of course, in the club having to make that change just after Boxing Day. But uh, no, you, you, you'd, you'd, you'd be very hard-pressed to pick out too many moments on the pitch that will linger in 2022, that's for sure. Yeah, you will. Um, I haven't really got much more positive that we can say for that. I mean, you could go best goal. I think that that probably goes to Josh Sargent, doesn't it, against Watford? It's very hard to to think of of, of anything else. Um, here's here's one for you, Pad. Signing of the year. I'll throw that. I'll throw that one in. What what have you got for that? I mean, it doesn't doesn't again doesn't feel like there's too many positive ones. Well, I mean, signing of the year would discount that kind of horrendous summer going into it the works. Premier League, which which produced Rashitza, which produced Sargent et al. Who did they actually do last January? You have to remind me. Did they do any? No, they didn't, did they? Because Smith, yeah, no, No. Smith didn't have any. They basically spent up the previous summer. So So you've got four to choose from there. Aaron Ramsey, Marcelino Nunez or Isaac Hayden. Well, they're they're in. If you want a microcosm of where we're at with Norwich City, then it it boils down to if you're being asked to to pick your best signing out of that crop. And Ramsey, of course, who's now sadly injured. Um, I mean, it, it. Well, I don't. I, well, it'd have to be probably one of the two South Americans, but you know, it'd be a toss of a coin. Nunes started tremendously. I think um, I'll go Sarah on current trajectory. Yeah, but Zara, I mean, and Alan Russell labelled his performance against Reading on on Friday as probably his best in a green and yellow shirt, and and there's been signs of that. So it, the dial probably does tip now towards Zara, but by no manner of means could you say there's an outstanding signing in 2022. Not at this stage, anyway. It may prove to be the case, but not not six months into um, to their careers, that's for sure. Yeah, and it's not a glowing endorsement, is it, of Gabriel Sara to be the best of that bunch at, at this moment in time? So, um, yeah, not 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 a great year, twenty twenty two. I mean, Pad, I'm, uh, just a final one on this point. Ten years time, when when people look back at twenty twenty two, what are going to be their memories of it? I think I think we've maybe captured that. But if we if we were going to put it in a sentence or, or a few words, what what? How do you think this year is going to be going to be remembered, and, and and what kind of impact is it going to have moving forward? Well, as I say, I mean, crystal ball gazing as we are, but uh, 
it'll be instantly forgettable on the pitch and 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 you'd like to think that the sort of divisions and it's felt like that, that the time will be a good healer for that but if it was the first sighting of um, you know a US investor who took the club over uh, in due course and then took him on uh, the type of journey that he's he's built up at the at the brewers and and uh, you know established them as a as an operation in their field of sports uh, who punch above their weight and um and can mix it with the big boys, which um, when I spoke to, um, I'm forgetting his name now, I do, Dan Goroff, uh, apologies, Dan, uh, former MLB um, official with, with the Phillies, a club who've jousted with the Brewers. Um, he, he His sense was that Atanasio likes giving the big boys a bloody nose and um, and almost, you know, against the odds kind of thing. Well, if, if this turns out to be how he takes on Norwich first and foremost and then moves them forward then 10 years down the line we might be looking at a dare I say if there is a Premier League then Norwich in a Premier League who uh, fight fight against the big boys against you know vastly inferior resources that that would be the dream 10 years from now and if if that came to pass then we would look back at 22 as the year when that journey began essentially but we certainly won't won't reflect on 22 relegation from the Premier League, um, Apache six months to, to be kind that culminated in the dismissal of a head coach. I don't think there's any way that that could live long, long in the memory as a, as a season to reflect on with any greater fondness or affection. So, yeah, f- for me, 10 years from now, the only legacy from this year would hopefully be um, the start of a, a move towards a, an owner and an era of uh, actual sustainability. But good enough as a club to uh, to actually you know do a passable impression of being a premier league entity rather than we're just stopping by for for 9 months and uh, we'll exit swiftly as we as we arrived and uh, we won't enjoy it and we certainly won't be competitive i don't think anybody wants that no, I think that's a, a good way to sum it up. Obviously, Norwich hosts Watford on Monday. Uh, this game, That game may well have happened by the time some people get around to listen to this. So, as I said, we're not going to, to speak about that too much. We'll, of course, be at Carrow Road uh, for that game tomorrow to, to bring you full coverage. Obviously, an interesting game because two clubs who are um, in the top seven as, as, as heading into the, the New Year Day sort of round of fixtures. Obviously, Norwich play on the second. Um, but two clubs who maybe aren't in the best nick at this moment in time with, with Norwich City managerless and Watford probably managerless soon, but um, certainly not in a, on a good trajectory, having just been beaten by Swansea pretty comprehensively. So that's good. That's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, Norwich over, over the last however long don't have a very good record against Watford either. I mean, that, that 3-0 win at Vicarage Road that came uh, in February, did it last year? I mean, that's that's a fairly rare point for Norwich City to, to have recorded points against Watford. Uh, I think their last win before that came in that 4-2 game where they were they were already relegated or their relegation was confirmed. Not can't quite sure, uh, can't quite remember the history behind that. But that was the last time they beat Watford in every game. In between, then they, they failed to do so. So we shall see if Alan Russell and Steve Weaver can uh, can in their in, in what is likely to be their last game in charge, certainly their last league game in charge, whether they can. Uh, complete it with a win. That's that's probably all from us. I mean, what's left to say? But make sure you you get yourself a Pink and Plus subscription. I know we bang out, uh, bang on about it a lot, so don't take it don't take our words uh, for it. Um, I'm going to read you a tweet from Twitchy Terry, who uh, that's his that's his username. Um, 
We've not paid him to say this, by the way. Uh, he said, uh, took a punt on Pink and Plus at the start of this year. It's basically all I'm using for NCFC News now. So there you go. That's, that's not our words. So th- those are the words of the people that use it. So make sure you, you jump on and check it out for yourself. You can claim a free trial now. Go to pinkin.com, press subscribe in the top right-hand corner, and uh, you can follow all the details to get full access to that. Plenty of Norwich City content uh, around, of course, their head coach search, around the championship schedule, interviews, columns, all sorts over there. Uh, you really are missing out if you're not on that platform already. As I said, you can get a two, uh, 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 what is it? Is it a month's trial? I, I've forgotten it is. Uh, three it months, is. yeah, one month free. Then there they're you go. £2 a month, yeah. No, yeah, good sales, good salesperson tactics there, mate. But, you know. Thank you, thank you. So you it's almost like value. You won't get better value, and that's 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 us saying it. But, you know, if you don't, basically don't take our word for it. Take take Twitchy's word for it and go and, go and try it out yourself. No obligation. You don't like it, can it, and, you know continue on your path to Norwich City content uh, imbibing. Not, not that's, that's the right word, is it? But, uh, you know, however however you want to consume, con- consumption is probably the better word, but, uh, but try it. It'll change your life. There you go. That seems like an apt place to leave it for uh, for this week. Happy New Year to, of course, all of our listeners. I hope you had a wonderful festive period in Christmas as well. And uh, we will, of course, keep bringing you these podcasts throughout 2023. Let's hope that as we reflect on uh, this year, we're reflecting on it very positively in a year's time. Thank you very much for listening. And we'll see you again very, very, very soon.